0: Where do you think really chocolatey chocolate milk comes from? A chocolate cow. Mm? This is Max 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 Hendrum. We have a report from the flight dynamics
1: officer that the vehicle has exploded. Doctor Jones. Again, we see there is nothing you can
0: possess which I cannot take away. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Hi, How are you, Down? Don't lie to me,
0: Magnum. You're playing some insipid game on Robin Master's one hundred thousand dollar computer system. It seems to me that the made-up things are a good deal better than the real ones. <laughs>
2: Howdy howdy, I'm Spun Counter Guy, thanks for stopping by. Welcome back for a like totally another episode of our 1980s tribute, A Fluorescent Decade on a Hill. This time around, we chat with a guy who spent a lot of the 80s hiding from his family in the north side of Chicago while getting into dance clubs and fights, respectively. But first, my hometown small town friend James Boyer and I, along with MC Williams, relive our delusional, grandorious days of being newshounds for our high school newspaper. Okay, so I'm here
1: with Mr. James Boyer, and we
2: were were both on the Booneville High School. What was the name of this paper?
1: (laughs) We don't even remember the name of the paper. (laughs) The Pioneer. It was our mascot. Uh,
2: What possessed you to join the paper staff?
1: Oh, basically, I thought it'd be a fun class, and we could goof around a little bit, maybe write some funny stories, and just, if you can get a grade for making people laugh, then that's cool. Yeah.
2: I think we both had aspirations of becoming comedians.
1: Yeah, back in our naive days. Right.
2: So we were what? Was that our senior year or our junior year?
1: Uh, We was in it in junior and senior. Okay.
2: So we're going to go over some of the articles we wrote and kind of cherry pick because... One thing as we, we were you commenting earlier, uh, some of the humor wasn't too good.
1: Well, you got to remember you're in high school class so you can't exactly make d- jokes <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> in the paper. Yeah, there was a, a censorship. plus we were you know younger and cheesier.
2: All right, so give us one of yours.
1: Okay, so this one was for the November 80 of 1988 paper and it was entitled "Cartoons Last Episode." Basically the premise was, how these great cartoons that we grew up loving, how they would end, in my mind anyway. So, uh, recently a box of tapes with the final episodes of many characters completing most of their life stories was found in a trash dumpster behind Emil's Fine Eats on Interstate USI near Tacoma, Washington. I don't know. Where'd you come up with that? I don't know, it just comes out of my head. Only now have the contents of those tapes been released to the public. Okay, number one, finger licking Foghorn in this episode... Foghorn Leghorn gets captured for use in a new secret recipe of Colonel Sanders. I mean, what are you going to do, right? Yeah. The Flintstones. Fred comes home from work to find Wilma in bed with Barney and Pebbles and Bam Bam abducted.
2: What? Did they let you print that? Yeah. I mean, wow.
1: Obviously, you know, you couldn't, uh, no profanity, but you could kind of get Still, the innuendo. It's pretty pretty blue for... So you get the idea. Basically, the, these cartoons don't end well, right? Roadrunner Road Pizza. In this short episode, <laughs> the Roadrunner fails to look both ways when crossing the road and gets nailed by a door-to-door nasal decongestant salesman named Cletus driving an Impala. <laughs>
2: That's pretty good stuff, man.
1: I think the thing, well, the thing is you take something simple like getting hit by a truck, but then you expand on it by <laughs> right. what kind of... useless details. Name of, yeah, useless kind right. of nasal decongestant, <laughs> you know, you expand on it. Yeah. So, Laugh Olympics, the Yogi Yahoois finally get fed up with the Really Rotten's cheating and have Grape apes swallow the whole team, except for that one little thing that always goes black.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I
1: think I was a dog. Uh. And then uh, Scooby-Doo. The whole team meet their demise. Daphne OD's on cocaine, gets behind the wheel of the mystery machine, and runs over Scooby. Shaggy goes insane and screams things like, why haven't I changed out of this green shirt and brown pants <laughs> in the last ten years? <laughs> what are these little black lines on my chin, and why do I jump in the air and spin my legs for half an hour before I take off running? <laughs> Thelma, or was it Thelma? Yeah, no, it was Velma. Oh. It's typo. Uh-oh. We found a typo. Velma just disappears like all nerdy girls do, and Fred commits suicide by jumping off a stop sign. <laughs> Golly. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the kind of classic literature you're working with here. Yeah. I apparently had written a story
2: about where I came from, and uh, there's a picture here of it. I a, think it might be fictional. <laughs> yeah. There's a picture here of supposedly my two uncles, Ted and Ben Musenberger. They look very Asian. And, yeah, it's they're, they're. I can tell you they're Koreans. Um, my father was stationed in in South Korea on, so that's on the DMZ. Picture. Yeah, so he had a bunch of pictures. So I uh, submitted the picture and said that they were my uncle's. Anyway, about six thousand years ago, my six hundred great grandparents, Adam Horowitz and Eve Plum, had a garden. <laughs> it was a real pretty garden, and Adam named all the animals after gurgling sounds. Well, <laughs> after a while, they got kicked out by the landlord because they ate the garden's profits. <laughs> That's bizarre. Uh, See, it just, it's like what
1: well, they call that thing so of consciousness.
2: Later, their great-grandson wanted to leave home to do something, so he did. He traveled to Ethiopia to be a DJ. He created his own radio talk show called Good Morning, Ethiopia. Since nobody in Ethiopia had radios, the ratings were very low. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> he lost his job and moved to South Korea and changed his name to Keith Mussenberger. The Musenberger <laughs> family remained in South Korea for about 3,000 years, give or take one or two. During those years, the Mussenberger family was responsible for such inventions as the wheel, microwave popcorn, automatic gear shift, oxygen tanks, the Rubik's Cube, originally called the Mussenberger Cube. <laughs> there
1: you go.
2: Yeah, the idea of having an on and off button on a blender. Maybe on board signs and, a, and cordless cards or cars, cordless, cordless cars. Card. Yeah, that's a typo. Then Ted and, and Man Mussenberger moved to Hawaii to make their career as singers for athlete foot commercials. They both changed their last names to Ho. Both of them had speech impediments, so everyone thought their last name was Bo. Sometime after that, Tai Ling Ching Chiang Bu gave birth to me, Tim, at age four. And people have to remember my name was Tim, Tim Bo. Bo in high school. So uh, I realized there was no future in Hawaii. I had heard of a great place of opportunity in gas grills called Boonville. Yeah, there you I go. swam to Cali and from there jogged to Boonville. So, man. so let me ask you this. I know I anticipated
1: the day these newspapers came out. I know we
2: submitted it, what, they came out a few
1: days later, right? Right. I remember we had little paste like boards Mm -hmm. and we'd print them out, cut them out, actually like paste them on the board and then send that board to the Boomville Standard and then they would print them for it.
2: That's right. And so the day they came out, like the people like catching the hallway, like, hey, saw your
1: article. Yeah,
2: yeah, a little bit. Some of that. Did did you ever get any blowback of people who didn't think
1: you were funny or you maybe Uh, joked? No, not really. I did hear uh, one one guy just say he hates that Tim K. <laughs> I'm serious. I was sitting in class. Really? I ain't gonna tell you who.
2: No, but do, do, do tell me why? Because because I, I did don't get know, well, maybe you. I were... got
1: a little criticism here and there. I don't know. Maybe he just was jealous. Well, that's okay. Um, you probably saw your package in swimming. <laughs> 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 Wait to make you feel better. Well, I'll tell you one
2: person. I guess we can say his name. I don't know if it matters, but who who told me several times you're not funny. You think you're funny, but you're not. Uh, Mr. B- the shop teacher. He would tell you that. Yeah, yeah. He hated me. I mean, he and he would say it in front of the whole class. That's kind of mean to do to, to a student. Yeah, I don't,
1: even I, if you don't. Yeah, I don't know where I, or how
2: I end up on his crap list, but you know, he made a point to embarrass me in front of the class, and it, it really hurt. Not yeah. that I really wanted his approval, but just like to do it in front of the whole class. Yeah, oh, that's
1: not cool. Did no. you embarrass him at
2: one time? I don't know.
1: I was probably a smart. like, and maybe he said something in class or something. Yeah. Well, so. you know. Maybe he just knew buddy that he didn't have a good sense of humor.
2: Yeah. He, he despised me so much that I was somewhat friendly with his son, but we were friendly enough for D&D. to invite me to an all-night D&D game. D&D. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Dorks and Dweebs. Dingleberry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so they lived in a swanky house. Uh, I don't right. know if you've ever been there, but I just, I it's the first time i would ever been
1: there, but uh, so they we had
2: oh uh, yeah you, you were there with was, me right yeah
1: anyway I wasn't cool enough to hang out at the dork parties I guess <laughs> they had this great big table yeah you played I didn't play
2: well Mr. came in while we were playing and he, he looked, he's like hey boys how you doing
1: you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he looked at me <laughs> wow. yeah he just he like hated you yeah he probably had like a picture of you up on his bedroom like <laughs> throwing darts at you <laughs> probably I hate that Tim I don't understand why he would do that to you It'd be mean to you but uh, okay I, I do remember uh, making actually Mr. Mis- our teacher for the school paper angry with me. Yeah. That's why I quit the last semester of the senior year. Really? I didn't realize you quit. She got mad. Remember the last semester? She got... She, yeah, she was she, mean to me she too. She mowed off to me something about class and I was like, fine, I'll go do ceramics for the last... Yeah. Semester. I was making <laughs> well, she, ashtrays and getting... I say more. that
2: we, we got her back because we we, we told her house we big time. We did TP her house, yes. Yeah. But for
1: some reason she got mad at me and... I acted like I wasn't taking it serious, which we probably weren't. (laughs) We were 17, you know. Come on, we were having fun. And I was like, fine, I don't need this. And I didn't finish the last semester in the paper.
2: Well, she kind of got me back uh, because uh, she said we wasted too much film taking pictures of of stuff that wasn't related, which was true. And, uh, (laughs) And so she said I owed like 15 bucks. She's
1: trying to get your money back.
2: Yeah, she, she, uh, when I went to, to, to graduate, I, th- I, I don't think there was a diploma in the, the thing they gave me. <laughs> Until you paid
1: the 15 bucks yeah. back. I yeah. guess. That's, yeah. That's My pathetic.
2: mom, she went down there and rigs and her battled out math. My mom, I think, threw the money out of She him. was
1: kind of a snobby teacher because she would nitpick us to death. And, like, the popular girls in class, mm-hmm. if like, they came to school in their belt class with their outfit and realized it, she would let them go home and change. Mm hmm. Oh, well, you got to let you go home and change that belt. She you had know. her favorites. Had I remember
2: favorites. I got an F on an opinion paper once because my opinion was wrong. <laughs>
1: wow. <laughs> so, wait a minute. Yeah. How can you have a wrong opinion? According to her. <laughs> yeah, That's so. Crazy. But our favorite teacher was probably Mrs. Kompadich.
2: Oh, uh, yeah. Remember? Yeah. Freshman, she uh, was late. great.
1: She loved us because remember we did that skit? It was almost like speech class, but we uh, had to do a skit. And it was me and you and a couple other of our classmates. I remember Christy Karkowski was with us. I remember a couple those. other. And I did Judge Wapner, and you did... <laughs> Some rock star that you just found, some lower level rock star that you found in a newspaper Bobby Heaton or something. I don't or, you don't remember that? No, no. Yeah, I put I put like baby powder in my hair to make it look gray like Judge Wapner and we wrote a script wow. about Judge Wapner. That's
2: great. I don't remember
1: that. <laughs> she was filming us and laughing. She said when you guys get done out of high school you need to go audition for Star Night Live. Oh, Yeah, she was great. <laughs> she was rather attractive, yes. You can read it in the Here's another one. This is uh, from November of 87, so we would have been juniors. People's Court was popular back in that day, and so we always liked to joke around about Judge Wapner. So I did an article called Judge Wapner Up Close and Personal. So basically, I was interviewing Judge Wapner. One day while hanging out on the square, I happened to come across Judge Joseph A. Wapner. You know, the judge off People's Court. The following is an excerpt of our interview. Has anything exciting ever happened on People's Court? Judge Wapner. Well, one time... These two old ladies started spitting on each other, and Rusty the bailiff had to blow them away.
0: <laughs>
1: That's a little harsh, isn't it? Well, yes, but Rusty had just washed and waxed the floor. <laughs> what were the old ladies arguing over, anyway? Tupperware bowls. Tupperware is always comedy yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> on your show, after you hear a case, you say you'll take a short recess and come back. What do you do during recess? Well, sometimes Doug Llewellyn and I play kickball or basketball, but if it's raining, we stay inside and play Battleship. I hear you're having a Christmas special this year. Yes, it's going to be called Wapner's Winter Wonderland. Well, what are you doing here in Boonville? Oh, I came here to buy a squirt gun so I can play a trick on Rusty. Who wrote the... I don't know. Who wrote the theme song for People's Court? Um, boxcar Willie teamed up with Burl <laughs> Ives, Barry Manilow, and the Evansville Philharmonic Orchestra <laughs> was added for just the right effect. After the interview, the judge and I cruised around town until he had to go home for dinner. Um, also, I wanted to mention, I think the whole recess joke about playing kickball and Battleship, mm-hmm. I think you actually wrote that. Thank you wrote that for the skit we did in Kopadich's class. Uh-huh. And I used it on the paper. Well, at least you're honest about it.
0: Yeah. Did uh, you cite him in the thing?
2: Hell no. <laughs> credit for that. This one, I'm just going to read one thing out of it. I, I made a list about happening things to do in Boonville. And, of course, people listening, if they aren't from Boonville, have probably figured out is it's a very small town. And there's zero to do except hang out in the ex market parking lot. Right. It, there's a picture to go along with it. And um, one of the things I say that you could do is all summer the Boonville Sewage Department will open to the public one of its treatment pools for open swimming? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's all, the the rest of it's kind of lame, but so I have a picture of uh, me and a, and a you bunch of name, you th- name three the, beautiful girls. Uh, name the young ladies. Yeah, Becky Zoll, Rhonda Lewis. At the time, and she's now what Rhonda North. Rhonda North yeah. married yeah.
1: Jeff North. Yes, yeah, still and, good friends. Was it Angie Bruder? We Angie thought? Bruder, I believe her last name. was. Yeah. she was a sophomore. Yeah. And way out of your league. Yeah, they were all out of my league. <laughs> <laughs> let's, well, be, let's just be real. Especially these shorts I have on. <laughs> looks like you got Hawaiian shorts on with like a Boonville cross-country shirt or something. Yeah, that's all right. right. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
2: I, I thought writing that article and including those girls might get me a date with
1: one of them, but <laughs> that didn't pan out like I had planned. No, oh, but you know, they loved you. As a friend. The one, the mirror at the sun. This is probably the one article I wrote that uh, I think probably one of the most attention from the other classmates and it was called Tim Gets a Rod. (laughs) <laughs> so you know back in high school obviously with 16 17 year olds it was a big thing when somebody got a new car or mm-hmm. they would highlight somebody's car there in an article you know
2: it was pretty rare that anybody got a car so it was it was a big deal especially if like somebody a, had a hot rod hey yeah, uh, muscle car here's
1: mike's mustang you know or yeah. janet gets a new pacer i don't know yeah. but <laughs> so we kind of made a joke on that, and uh, they had demolition derbies out at the fairgrounds, and there was like a smashed-up car left in, out there in the yards. <laughs> so we went and took a picture of me and Tim sitting on top of this smashed-up car, and this was Tim's new ride, right? <laughs> and just looking at the picture, first off, I think I weighed maybe 75 pounds <laughs> in it. Holy crap. Dripping what? Like, yeah, I was... Well, I didn't gain any weight, though. And it, I
2: can tell you it was a Capri classic because I, I pulled off the hood ornament oh yeah but, you know, you that was
1: it. when all the bc boys was
2: doing their thing oh yeah and, and actually dad he actually made a, a, a chain for me like i, I could wear it
1: around you're you like flavor you're like the white flavor flavor <laughs> yeah pretty much just, just, <laughs> so just where the,
2: did this car come
1: from it was at the fairgrounds It was at the fairgrounds it might have been like from a Looking at it, it actually looks like it was from uh, like a monster truck where they smash them down. It was obviously smashed by something and left there to rot. Yeah. And that's Tim's new car. Yeah. <laughs> so let's read it here. So um, if you passed by Tim's house lately, you may have seen his hot machine, which he calls Myrtle. Again, comedy go yeah. Myrtle. <laughs> or you may have seen it on the side of the road broken down. Either way, you know it's bad to the bone. <laughs> when I asked Timbo what his rod had in it, he said, well, uh, it's got a steering wheel. In the stereo department, he's saving up for a Fisher-Price tape recorder that will plug into the cigarette lighter. (laughs) <laughs> he said that he is very pleased with the roomy trunk. I can put almost anything I need in it. Moving to the trunk, we discovered some jumper cables, a spare tire, a hubcap. Mr. Plasmire. <laughs> that was one of our chemistry teachers, yeah. right? Yeah. A uh, science teacher, I think. Something. Yeah. Kind of a goofy, good guy, yeah. but everybody kind of teased him. Yeah, he was the dirt farmer also. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Lucky Charms, the drive shaft, and his grandma Mabel. <laughs> well, also, was, uh, Mabel's Mabel. Mabel also a comedy. Going, going in. What was your grandma and Mr. Plasmire doing? And there's the other question. Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) For my next question I asked him what was the first problem he ever had with his cruise mobile. He said I was stopped at a stoplight up on the square when I spied a great looking babe walking by. Naturally, I had to impress her, so I started bouncing the car up and down like a low rider. and, well, the suspension got a little tweaked. <laughs> You'd think it would be a more serious damage. It got a little tweaked. When asked what his favorite places to cruise by were, he said, the series treatment plant is nice. <laughs> there you go again. I
2: can't get away from that place.
1: As well as the landfill... If you see Timball around school, ask him to take you cruising with him. You can help push the car to the nearest gas station as well as help pay for gas. (laughs) But see, this is the picture. This is the article I was telling you about when the kid in class exclaimed loudly, I hate that Tim kid. Really? Yes. Wow. I don't know what you did. (laughs) Well, here, I got this one in front of me. Okay. So this is actually yours, so I'm going to let you read it. It's from that same uh, one with the Judge Wartner. But the, the thing I loved about this, and when I was thumbing through these, I actually laughed out loud, you know, remembering it. Yeah. Basically, the article of BHS students go to Folsomville, right? So Folsomville is a, another small town. But the thing that made me laugh is there's a picture about four or five of us here. Uh, it looks like Tim's in it, me, Mike Goen, and San, I think your name was Sanja or Sonja Dersh?
2: It's Sonja Dersh, yeah.
1: Right. <laughs> we're coming out of this old wooden clubhouse that was in Tim's backyard. And you can tell, it, it's probably it hadn't played with it since he was a little kid. And the picture says, BHS students leave all by incredible museum. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it, it's, my dad built it for us and it's super small. Like, as adults, we probably couldn't fit in the door. I mean, right. it, it was for little kids.
1: But go ahead and read the article, but I just wanted, uh, that okay. picture's hilarious.
2: <laughs> On the morning of October 20th, 87, three BHS students left for Folsomville, Indiana. The students met at the high school early that morning. They all piled in a charter bus headed for Folsomville. <laughs> I, I renamed Mike going Mike Gone. <laughs> Mike Gone said, I was so excited I forgot to put on my deodorant, unquote. The other students said they were also excited and also commented on Mike's armpits. <laughs> but when the bus arrived, the excitement really began. The first thing the students did was visit the Folsomville Historical Museum. There they learned about Oliver Folsenberger. <laughs> Again, anytime you put "burger" on the end of a name, it's hilarious. It's hilarious yeah. <laughs> the founder of folsomville They were aided by a free booklet, a three-minute documentary film, and a memorial bird bath, all devoted to Oliver Folsenberger. Then they visited the Seeing Eye Chicken Farm. Here, the world-famous Seeing Eye Chickens are trained to go out and help blind people. Buck Gruppard, the head chicken instructor, gave the students a tour, had the chickens perform tricks, and passed out free oatmeal cookies. The rest of the day, including visiting historical landmarks and Shotgun Carlson's house, the students also went to the Folsomville gift shop to get souvenirs. Tim bought some wax teeth, and my grandma went to Folsomville, and all I got was this lousy t-shirt shirt, <laughs> and a crocheted quilt. The day ended when all the students gathered around Mrs. Talia. She picked away at the guitar singing old folk songs. She started off with a catchy tune, Jim's Going to the Outhouse. Other tunes were sung with laughter and inspiration, but they all shed a tear when James Boyer grabbed the guitar and sang the tearjerker, all Tennysons
1: breaking loose. <laughs> Y'all should have been there. I don't remember. I got a cameo in that one. I didn't even realize. A couple things. You had Miss in there, and she didn't uh, edit it out.
2: Yeah. I guess before she turned on us.
1: Actually, when you said Mike going, you called him Mike gone. That's uh-huh. kind of funny because in grade school, I went to me and Mike went to Oakdale, and you know how little kids are. For some reason. We was on the playground, and we started calling him Mike Gone, just joking around. Uh-huh. He got mad. <laughs> he got mad. But if Mike ever listened to this, he, he got mad at me, and the other kid, I believe he ratted us out to the teacher, and the teacher called me and this other kid out to the hallway and said, now, did you call him this name? And I was, no. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I got off the hook. I lied and got off the hook. I think the other kid got a paddle. I think this is probably the second most article that I got attention about in school. And it's from October 87, so again, our junior year.
2: Did this get you a lot of dates?
1: Oddly (laughs) enough, none of these articles got me any dates, Uh, although I did meet my future wife in creative writing class charity in our senior year. Yeah, and she stuck with
2: you.
0: Were you dating then?
1: We actually started dating after prom of our senior year, so like the very last few weeks of high school. Really? We were friends that whole senior year, but she was dating other people, and I was dating other people, and it just finally happened that we both were broke up with the other people at the time and realized that see, we were good friends, so we yeah, just okay. kind of, yeah. Cool. That's the way it should be, right? Yeah. Of course, I had to fend off 20 other women. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so this one, uh, Pelzer gets new stop sign. Again, comedy gold when you live in a small town is to make fun of neighboring other smaller towns. Yeah, it's not even
2: a town, it's like a township it's, or something. Right.
1: Or... It's like six houses right. and a stop sign. Right. And I... that's what the article is about. Pelzer gets a new stop sign. So cruise through Pelzer lately. If you have, you may have noticed their new shiny stop sign. I went to Pelzer to investigate this phenomenon. <laughs> <laughs> First, I asked an inhibit oh a typo. An Inhibitant of Pelzer. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's funnier if it's an inhibitor. Yeah,
1: it's an inhabitant. <laughs> what his reaction was to the new sign. His name was Buford Johnson. Again, if you're Buford. going redneck, <laughs> Buford's comedy go, right? An 81-year-old farmer who has lived in Pelzer all his life. He had this to say. Well, when I first noticed it, I ran home and told Myrtle to phone the neighbors. There's Myrtle again. <laughs> Wake the kids and break out the cottage cheese because we were going to have an old fashioned shindig. <laughs> uh, uh, cottage cheese is funny to us in high school for it some was, reason. Yeah. I remember the meal we had, rabbit meat and corn squeezins. Shucks, it almost was as much of a stare as the time old Jim got his foot caught in the combine. <laughs> <laughs> Knowing the public's feelings about the new sign, I then went to Warwick. See, I'm doing investigative reporting here. Yeah. And I went to the Warwick County Courthouse to find out why the new sign had been put up. A certain top-ranking official made this statement. Well, the new sign was desperately needed. I mean, you can get at least four or five cars going through there a year, and there's bound to be an accident sooner or later. As my report came to a close, I wondered what would be next for Pelzer. Running water? Electricity? Pasteurized milk? We can only speculate. Next time you drive through Pelzer, be careful. It's definitely a high-accident area. I mean, having to dodge the dead possums and everything. In the picture, we got out of... Class to go take a random picture of us standing in front of a random stop sign.
2: I know where it's at. It's in front of Scales Lake. Is
1: it in front of Scales Lake? Yeah. yeah, you can see the post back there. Yeah. Yeah, it's me, you, and Michelle corn and the son, Sonia Dirksh. <laughs> she was like our go to picture. Yeah. We needed a girl in our picture where you come and with She us? was easy on the
2: eyes and she was <laughs> uh, <yes>. willing. So <laughs> there <we> go. <laughs> That's it. you go.
1: But the reason it. this was a big deal, and I remember this plain as day. Somebody from Pelzer, one of the students from Pelzer, actually wrote the school paper complaining really? that we were making fun of Pelzer, uh, casting late. it as a redneck, you know, <laughs> backwoods place, and they yeah. they were not happy with that. I never heard that. Yes, you don't remember that. No. Miss Talley came to me and asked me if I wanted to write a re- retraction, and I said. No, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, somebody was actually upset with you know the fact that we were teasing him a little bit. Okay,
2: so this is the last one I'll read for this session. I should tell you I wanted to name this little Debbie Is it naughty little fudge. Naughty little fudge Yeah, but it, that was uh, vetoed it by yeah veto. Yeah, so just so you know, but so it got changed to uh, up close and personal. <laughs> little Debbie is known. To most as that stupid looking girl <laughs> in the boxes of the snack cakes. But Debbie is trying to change that image now by venturing into other projects. Here are a few. My awesome title did make it in here. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, Debbie has just recorded an album called Little Debbie, That Naughty Little Fudge Round. <laughs> <laughs> on the album, it's mostly rap songs like I'm a Bad Little Mother, uh, <laughs> beat, beat Up Your Sister If You Love Her, and Get a Job You Dead Beat. <laughs> also, there's some hard rock songs like Bang Your Head on My Shoulder, and You Left the Toilet Seat <laughs> Up. The album is pretty good, but you get the impression she's not as nice as she seems on those cake boxes. <laughs> Another project is a biography Uh, of herself, which would be autobiography dummy, (laughs) titled, quote, My Financial Welfare depended on Oatmeal Cookies. It chronicles, of course, the rise of Debbie to the Queen of Snack Cakes. She also tells about her marriages to seven men, including the man who invented 2,000 flushes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Again, random product placement. The weirder the name of the product, the
2: better. A project that Debbie is excited about is a new movie that will be released this summer called 18 Candles. It's about a Jewish girl, Debbie, who has to get 18 candles for a Hanukkah ceremony. Along the way, she faces <laughs> candle thieves, Nazi hitmen, and a diabetic alligator. <laughs> a, ba- <laughs> a, diabetic alligator. a band of Darwin still will look alike, the hostess King Ding Dong. <laughs> Again, it's the streamer Yeah. Ruthless group of OEA
1: members. I don't when know even, that. I don't know. Office. some new like office employees. Yeah. Or office education.
2: She also makes a guest appearance in the TV show Dynasty for a few episodes. She plays an electric can opener from outer space who <laughs> kidnaps Fallon and makes her take a fabric softener
1: taste test. You see, this. I, you would think I was on drugs. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's 17-year-old humor right there. Yeah. Oh, yeah you anyway. got to remember the time frame. I mean... <laughs> I think I think at least the hope that I had was that our classmates enjoyed our stories, you know. Because yeah. you're, you're stuck in school and I always not to put any of the other writers down, but I mean we'll i always, all blue <laughs> compared to us. Yeah, we were obviously the the, the cream uh, of the crop cream of the crop in that <laughs> class. But no, I mean I thought the idea was just to make the kid you know, you're stuck in class. Right. So here's some couple of chuckles, hopefully. Yeah.
2: Let's take a breather to contemplate on the downside of success with musicians, actors, writers, sports heroes, and such. They get so wealthy and spoiled that their art suffers to the point that they fade away into obscurity. So if you really hate this podcast and really can't wait for us to implode and never be heard from again, become a patron. You can do this by either going to our Podbean page and clicking the Become a Patron button, or you can send us copious amounts of cash via PayPal to SpunCounterGuy at Hotmail.com. Every bit helps us afford the various implements of self-destruction that will assure that we'll stop polluting the web with our mediocrity. Now, national-based artist and gallery curator Ben Vitwala boils down his life in our favorite decade.
0: We lived in uh, South Holland, which is insane south of Chicago and um, my uh, dad was a physician in a inner city hospital which you know obviously had a lot of issue people getting stabbed right outside the hospital so <laughs> yeah it's convenient if you're getting <laughs> stabbed I mean right it's best to do it outside the hospital anyway the thing was that you know my father was in an emergency room and um, it just really got to him he started looking for other places to practice. And opportunity came up in a small town in West Tennessee called Camden. He decided to move all his kids and everybody to uh, this small town. And keeping in mind, we, we live in a suburb of Chicago. So it was very much a culture shock. Uh, I guess that would be like the second culture shock that we, that we had experienced when we moved here. Because? I was born in the Philippines and moved to the state back in uh, 1979 i was 8 years old and then moving to chicago from small little town in cebu philippines it was an experience we lived in my my grandfather's house that was on stilts made out of like bamboo right, you know yeah. so that was kind of was kind of crazy culture and, shock yeah and then you know we we got there i think in january or I think it was january or december i I don't remember but obviously it's in the middle of the freaking winter in chicago and we just left an island in the equator so that was a little bit difficult (laughs) and then from there moving to a small town in tennessee in 86 but i was a teenager by then right i was a freshman in thornwood high school it was great. It was fun and, you know, just starting to really figure out kids here, you know, and dating or whatever. As soon as I got to this small town in West Tennessee, it was totally different, you know? Oh, that was in Chicago where everything was good. Yeah, it, everything was perfect. Being a teenager in Chicago, so it's, a di- I think, a, a different culture where you sneak out of the house on the weekends and not come back home until Sunday night. Where did we go? We usually went to clubs downtown <laughs> your parents uh, knew what was up right nope they actually they didn't know anything about that stuff um they just was always wondering where i was which probably a little nerve-wracking for them i'm sure but yeah we went to like a club called like medusa which was also really kind of interesting because you know a few times i was there they, they would have like a communist uh russian flag on really? the place which is weird yeah and this was like i think when i was like 13 or something. But, um, you know, we moved. We got to a small town. Really just kind of flustered being there. Didn't really talk to anybody. Uh, the opportunity arrives when, you know, it was the summertime and my parents decided they wanted to visit Chicago. So I went, and my parents came back here, and I stayed up there. You were old enough to stay? No, I was, like, 14. Oh. <laughs> so I was just hanging out in Chicago, like, basically. I don't know if I was, like, a runaway or just, like... Uh, I was basically staying with friends, like, every couple And how did probably. your parents
2: feel about this? They didn't really know where I was. How does a 14-year-old kid get away from his parents? And then they came back to Tennessee
0: without you? hmm They just gave up looking for you? They thought that I was just kind of like spending time with different people Uh Uh, and obviously the experience they had when I when we all lived here where I was basically disappearing every Uh every weekend so I think that was kind of like what they thought I was doing but in in a longer I think it was like two and a half months or three months that I was gone and uh, they finally to this point I, I can't remember but I know I was at my friend's Tracy and Darren's house and their parents I was living in the basement and uh, they came and picked me up. took you back. Yeah. I mean, there were some clubs that actually like would let you in even if you were underage. Medusa's. what kind of music they play? Like new wave punk. There was just a lot of mix of music back then because a lot of things were moving forward. I know they played some like New Order, uh, Ministry. You know, they even like played some, you know, different kind of like craft work, like elements of craft work. (laughs) Wow. Cool. So it was like really like very technology kind of thing Mm -hmm. happening there. And
2: you mentioned there was a DJ that kind of like took you around to some places.
0: Yeah, I think his DJ name now is Freddie O. But I've, I've always known him as a Freddie Oboza. He's Filipino. Oh, okay. And then, you know, I was a freshman in high school. I think he was, a, like, either a junior or senior in high school. A lot of my dad's friends moved out northern, uh, north, north side Chicago. My dad likes to be different. We moved south side. <laughs> south side Chicago was, it was really nice back then, you know. We, we lived in a suburb and everything, and uh, called South Holland. And on the street we lived in, there were all these different people, and Freddie lived in that neighborhood. So I got to meet him and talk to him and talked about music, and you know, he kind of just took me under his wing.
2: And was he DJing at that time?
0: Yes, because I would go to his house, he would already have a crate of albums, I guess. And I think his older brother was also doing it. And did you go to clubs with him while he played? yes he would take me to clubs you know he was like hey man you have to check this guy out because he dances really really well and it was like just everybody that was there they were all filipinos Mm -hmm. so that was really kind of fascinating because like all the people that we spent you know i mean school you may be one or two filipinos there Mm
2: -hmm. so these clubs were filipino clubs basically
0: i don't know if there were like clubs but a place they would rent out to do battles. DJ battles. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, I mean, those, those were really kind of fun. Most of that stuff that we went to was like Northside Chicago. <laughs> it was really interesting because when, you know, so you have to check this guy out, like he, he dances, there was this little bitty guy Little goatee and just the thinnest mohawk you ever seen, you know. And um, yeah, man, he could move. because at that time, I think I was still trying to like break dance and stuff too, which I wasn't very good at. We all try, brother. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but I think I think also that the thing about these guys in South Holland—they're they're older guys. Those guys were like hooligans, man. Like Freddie would always get into fights over what. I have no idea, man. Like, he, I like I would see him on our street, like, fighting some dude. Another Filipino? Like, Filipino, like, like Mexicans, everybody. <laughs> dude was, like... He didn't discriminate against who he fought? No, man. He was a fighter. Yeah, I, I seen him, like, hit somebody and just knock him out. Mm-hmm. He was just kind of lanky and just quick. <laughs> but I feel like I started hanging out with him, and they were always instigating me to fight somebody. I don't know, there was this kid that they wanted me to fight, And he was, like, bigger than me, you know? Like, I was probably 150 pounds, 145 pounds. Did you? I fought that one guy. Like, I think I fought him, like, two or three times.
1: You know, between...
0: Eighth and ninth grade in the summer, I took summer school, and what happened was, it's like you know, we would get picked up by the bus, they take us to school. First day, I would sit, and this guy would get in the bus, and he would tell me to move. And I would do it, and I kept doing it until like at the end of the summer session, and I just didn't want to move anymore. I was like, you know what? I'm not, I'm not moving, you know. And he pushed me, and I pushed him back. And I think he was a little surprised that I actually pushed him back. And then he said, I'm going to fight you, I'll meet you at the church. I got off the bus and I went over there to the church. He was sitting there. Alright, let's fight. And it's like, man, you don't want to fight me. I was like, yes, I do. So we started fighting. I hit him and he fell on the ground. He got up. He grabbed a rock and threw it at me and actually cut my head open. Whoa. Yeah. So. I was crying. I wanted to find him. And uh, he picked up this huge metal thing, you know, trying to, like, make sure I don't get close to him. But I was really, really upset about that. So I went and grabbed all my older friends in my neighborhood. That's (laughs) right. So so I went on my older friends in my neighborhood, and we went to his house. And he wouldn't open up the door. So we waited, and he wouldn't come out. So we just decided to... uh, to leave. And after that, it just, that was pretty much it. Ah! Ah! I moved here and I got into a couple of fights. You know, football players, a small town in West Tennessee, they pick on you, they try to cut your rat tail. oh yeah i think i got into like three fights in camden i won some and i lost some there was one football player guy keep in mind this was in the 80s i sort of can fight and then i also had like wrestling so like when i got him down i was kind of like doing this move where i was in back and we're just punching him and everything and then he got up literally like picked me up and threw me into a tree (laughs) yikes i know right and then um, how's the tree doing well tree was fine i was a little shaking so i got back up dust myself off and then um like he was over there and he did this uh karate kid thing
2: <laughs> you mean like the like the spider it, or, or something yeah nice. it was
0: like doing this yeah and then when he did that i just like punched him in the face got him back down <laughs> and um i kept on punching him punching him and i grabbed his nuts oh yeah by that time the police came whoa it was broken up this girl brought me back home took a shower went to bed so i think that was kind of good because like people knew that that i wasn't gonna tolerate any right. of that stuff
2: sometimes you throw it down the gauntlet you know like, yeah p- and,
0: peace through strength as they say yeah and ironically that guy that i fought he also went to university at memphis and we had a beer a couple you know <laughs> When we were in college so everything was the, cool everything was cool yeah we all grew up you know yeah let me tell you another fight story this was in chicago i was in eighth grade and this little mexican guy named alfonso ortega so he wanted to fight me and i'm like okay why no idea, dude. I guess he was the brown guy, and I was the other brown guy. I was new. I don't f- know. So we got to fight. We went to like the church right across the street. It was freaking snowing. I was crying, and then I was like beating his ass and then he, he fell down and then he got back up with nunchucks oh no i know right Ooh. that was awesome <laughs> yeah it was awesome and dirty i he really didn't know how to use it i grabbed <laughs> so, yeah, it he, he hit himself in the face or something like he was just like swinging it around and then i just grabbed it and took it off of him. <laughs> and you know and I, I don't know it was just so freaking ridiculous but now we're really good friends i was also one of the guys that you know went clubbing with too Growing up in South Holland, I had, like, a really mixed group of friends, you know? Because you have all these, like, punks and stuff like that. And you know, I had Freddie with, uh, you know, listening to hip-hop. I have folks I went to roller skating with. And Darren was always around just because Darren was old enough to, get, to have a car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he was always around driving us everywhere. Sure. <laughs> these kids in eighth grade, they were, apparently, they were betting on who would win a fight. So they were always instigating. A friend of mine, Chris Hooksima, like he was telling me they would like, when he went to school there, these kids would like see who would, would win in a fight and they would bet, and they would like bet a dollar or something. So that's my 1980s story. I mean, don't get me wrong, man. Like, I think if I would have stayed there, I would have gotten into, like, serious problems. Like, it wasn't just going in the city. It was, like, also going to these really weird clubs, like, in Hammond, Indiana, you know? Mm -hmm. With people doing weird gang handshake that I didn't know. Mm -hmm. I I think that me moving to... Tennessee calm me down a little bit. Right. First time I did line dancing was in Camden, which is weird and uncomfortable. You did line dancing? Yes, <laughs> I did, because I wanted to go dancing, and they took me there.
2: <laughs> in the Corner Back by the woodpile podcast is produced by a closet, a pocket, and a suitcase. You can email us at SponeCounterGuy at Hotmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at SponeCounterGuy, Be sure to download the new Podbean app to hear this podcast and others on your tablet and smartphone. And we are now on iTunes. Just do a search for Back by the Woodpile on the iTunes store and we should pop up. And a special thanks to thebrofisticate.com.